Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Live on this Tuesday, December 13th. This is Roxanne Solon and your co-host this morning, and I'm joined by a new, well, new-to-me co-host. And my name is Wayne Sanders, and I am a new co-host and uh, privileged to be working with Roxanne when they asked me to do this. I said, who's the co-host? And they <laughs> said, it's Roxanne. I jumped at it. I so passed the test. <laughs> you, well, you, well beyond the request, you passed the test. And, uh, you know, the hook that you got when I walked in the room means that when I start to ramble on too much, the hook is, you know, like any network show, cut them off right there. So, yes, thank you, Roxanne. Nice to work with you. I'm looking forward to doing this. And uh, Real Presence Radio is a, we don't need to tell you, it's such a powerful tool to be a part of this uh, very fortunate, and look forward to working with you. Absolutely. Tell tell us a little bit about yourself. What what do you do in the when you're not sitting there? <laughs> well, again, this is where the hook will come in. Uh, live in Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved here in 1995. I have a lovely wife and two grown children, four grandchildren. Uh, we're Western North Dakota people. I was in the uh, television business in Dickinson, Bismarck, Milan, and then Fargo. Claimed to fame in 1995. We moved here and changed the call letters from KTHI to KVOI. Uh, and so uh, moved into that career, and uh, we are now in the corporate apparel business as a family business and uh, having a great time doing it. So that's, uh, we've, Lauren and I were uh, cradle Catholics, grew up in Dickinson, uh, graduated from St. Pat's grade school and St. Wenceslaus grade school and Trinity High School. So uh, cradle Catholics. I'm, you know, I grew up in Poplar, Montana, oh. so I'm, we used to pass through Dickinson on the way to Bismarck <laughs> is where my grandma and grandpa lived sure. and, and where my mom lives now. <laughs> so anyway, welcome to all of our listeners. And why don't we start this morning, just kind of settle ourselves with a, a quick glory be in the name of the Father, <clears throat> Son, and Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father and to the, the Son and, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit as it was, was in the beginning, beginning is now, now and ever shall be, be world, world without, without end. end. Amen. Amen. All right, and we have a guest this morning on the line, Dr. Tom Morahan, and he is in Nisua, Minnesota. Welcome, Dr. Tom Morahan. Is that, am I saying your last name right? It's just like the words more again, more again. More, more again. again. Okay, okay, more again. All right. I like that. That's easy to remember. Yeah, yeah. all right. Well, uh, we just want to begin, I guess, with a little introduction. Tell us about a little about your life and uh, what you do, and also maybe just a <clears throat> glimmer of your faith. Are you cradle Catholic, convert? Yeah, let us know. So I grew up in Fargo, and I, my parents are Catholic. My, both my parents were professors in Fargo and in Moorhead, and I went to Holy Spirit, went to Shanley, went to NDSU, went to the University of North Dakota Medical School, and then I spent 15 years in the Mayo Clinic system, I um, trained as an endocrinologist, which works with glands and hormones, and um, I currently live in Nisswa Lakes Country, Minnesota. I'm married to Jill. Um, we have five kids, age 21 through 13, and um, faith has always just been a critical part of life, um, and my friends have always been Catholic or Christian. Um, my, my best friend from grade school is Father Paul Dukesher, who ended up marrying my wife and I, 
and I just can't say enough about how important the Catholic faith has been on every aspect of life, including medicine. That's so interesting because we were just before we came on talking about Father Paul, who was our pastor for 12 mm-hmm. years. Yep, um, both yep. of us are parishioners at St. Sanajokum. He just recently left in, in June after a long stint with us. So uh, Wayne used to have, I guess, daily or daily, weekly tuna sandwiches with, with so, Father Paul. <laughs> Father Paul shared my uh, passion for Subway, shameless self-promotion for Subway, tuna sandwiches. And so, yes. We miss Father Paul. He's in Valley City. Hopefully he's listening and his head's getting a little bigger now. Hi, Father Paul. (laughs) If so. He he actually taught me a principle about core wounds that people experience in their life. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I talked to Father Duke about that, it made perfect sense. That was what I was seeing in my patients. They have these core wounds of life experiences and traumas and PTSD. And it's really helped me bring the, the faith in Jesus in to try to heal those wounds. Um, so I give Father Duke some real credit for helping me in so many ways. You know, just before we we'll get into the meat of the order and the real stuff, but uh, Dr. Tom, you're from you're living in Niswa. I have to ask, unrelated to the complete uh, to our subject matter, uh, Rafferty's Pizza. Rafferty's Pizza is one mile from my house, um, and we're addic- we're addicted to it. Um, and our uh, our neighbor runs the Rafferty's on our current block, so I put in a plug for Rafferty's for all who come to the Lakes Country. Well, I, I had to bring it up. We have a golf outing every year with my two sons, and the second stop we make uh, is at Rafferty's. Uh, great stuff. And then, and I'll get off it. Your Dairy Queen in this was the only one that does. <laughs> The uh, peanut butter bash. The oh, only, that's the, our favorite. Yeah, but oh. the only Dairy Queen yeah. that I'm aware of. So anyway, enough of the food stories, but uh, that just well, related. Well, since, since I'm an endocrinologist, it's always appropriate to talk about carbohydrates. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that into the discussion. <laughs> Can you explain to me what an endocrinologist is? Because I honestly don't know. So it's glands and hormones. The most common things I see are diabetes mellitus, thyroid disorders, osteoporosis, testosterone, anything with glands and hormones we work in. Mm. How did you get into this? Uh, what, what drew you into this field of study and work? Well, I, when I was in high school, I started to, to know that I wanted to go into a field that helped people. And then I started to explore, you know, looking into ways to learn more about medicine. So when I was in college, I was a hospice volunteer. I worked at the old Dakota Hospital for four years. And it really taught me that a, I like this stuff, and B, I think God gave me gifts in it, and it helped me to kind of really start working on my skills of how do you talk to sick people, how do you give them encouragement and hope, um, and everything just kind of fit that you know, this is the path God wants me to continue on. Mm. Uh, I'm curious about your experience in hospice. What were some things you learned from that? Because um, those those final hours and days are, are, are so poignant I'm sure as a young person, that was really impressionable. It, it is. You know, and even then, you could see the people who had faith in their life, they had better deaths, you know, and they had more peaceful relations with their families. Um, and it started to teach me that, you know, probably like every aspect of life, there can be good deaths, there can be not-so-good deaths. Um, and, and some of the beauty that you see of love of a spouse, you know, when they've been married 50, 60, 70 years, um, it, it's very powerful. And it doesn't have, it can be a very fruitful time of life, I guess I would say. You know, you can often have healing of wounds between family members that need to be healed. Um, so some beautiful things can happen towards the end of life. Uh, and it's kind of a privilege to be, you know, allowed into that window of their life 
you know, sometimes I kind of, it's hard to believe that I get to hear the stories I hear and see what I see, but I, I don't take it for granted. It's a privilege to be around people around one of the most important times of their life is their end of their life. You know, Doctor, I think about end of life, and I, I think about some of us have learned uh, what faith can do with a, in combination with our health. And when you're working with patients, uh, and when you see that they're they're kind of right on the edge of struggling with their faith, yet they're also struggling with their health, and you can see that, uh, how easy or difficult it is for you to put down your stethoscope and maybe get into that faith discussion that you know that if they hear what you're saying will help them. And how, how much of a challenge is that for you, Dr. Tom? It's actually easy, you know, and that's one of my messages here. But you have to go through, I think, the right format. And it's back to Mother Teresa, and my I love the women of the church. Uh, and Mother Teresa said, my secret is I pray, you know, and basically that's what I do. I pray before work. I do get a rosary in. Um, I pray for specific intentions for the patients. I spend time in adoration. And God just opens up these talks. It's like the Red Sea opening up. Um, and Or it's like a golfer having a one-foot putt that you just can't miss. Um, it, he makes it so easy. If you're in a state of grace, and if you love the patients, everything starts to flow. And if you start to get to know their stories, that's one of my big tenets, whether you're in medicine or not, ask, really ask people about their life. Don't be stuck on your script for the day that you think you're supposed to do for the work. I, can't, I compare it to improv comedy. Just be ready to go where God takes you. And once they start telling you about their physical, sexual abuse history, their PTSD, their abortions, their miscarriages, their estrangements from family members, their addictions, you know, it just naturally leads to talks on God. It leads to opportunities to tell them how sorry you are for their suffering, but to bring God's love and mercy into the, into the room. And then you just naturally start you know, incorporating scripture passages that apply, and reminding them of who they are, I think so often you just have to remind people, you're a son of God, the King, you're a daughter of the King, you have the highest dignity, and that the Lord is merciful, you know, the Lord is forgiving, and you just see the tears start to come, and the weight lifted off the shoulders. Um, and it, it's funny, I think I've learned the, the questions to ask to get them to open up, but sometimes they open up without me even trying, you know, and it's, it's a, clearly a Holy Spirit thing. Um, but when you're in the room, it's like you're in the room and you're participating, but God's kind of doing it. Um, mm. And often you'll hear them say afterwards, I've been praying for a sign and now wow. I've got it, you know, or now the first time I have hope in a long time. And, and you start seeing the power of intercessory prayer. I've had several patients that told me about dark suicidal thoughts, and I say a prayer with them, and they say, that they come back and tell me later, the suicidal thoughts just left right then. And, you know, that's more effective than Prozac or Fentanyl <laughs> or whatever. Um, and it doesn't mean we don't take care of the patient medically, you know, because we do. But uh, anything that needs to be done physically should be done appropriately. But it, it's unbelievable what comes out in these conversations. And in one of my big tenets is, don't say you'll pray for someone, pray with them right mm -hmm. then. And, you know, it's amazing what happens, and you get to hear feedback that makes you want to do it more, and it just becomes a self-propelling uh, good prophecy. You know, you said something that just struck my heart. If you love your patients, and I just think, I don't know that we realize, or it just is kind of hitting me now, the vulnerability of someone in a, a 
a, a medical office. And they're they're exactly. they're laid bare, and for you to have the honor of being Christ to them, I, I don't think we really think that way very often. Uh, even though that's what medicine is, I, I think we've gotten maybe kind of away from that. And as you're talking about this, it's just heartening my soul right now because, uh, again, yes, people who who are in a doctor's office are in a vulnerable place. And I know I just had a, a recent discussion with my doctor where I had tears coming. And um, it's just, it's such a gift, but, but not every physician is going to get that. So I just thank you. You know, I mean, as a person of faith, there's nothing more important to me when I'm in that vulnerable position to know that the other person gets it and is going to be tender with me. Um, so I, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, it's, I think back to the line Gandhi said about Mother Teresa, if, if, if everyone acted like Mother Teresa, we'd all be Catholic, you know. Um, and people want love, you know, and, they, and, and who's the source of love? You know, Jesus, you know, um, and, if, and if we can step out of the way and let Jesus be in the room. Um, and I think there's also just this lack of knowledge of how important this is. Um, one of my good friends is Dr. Paul Carson, and um, he and I trade ideas a lot. But um, he got me onto this idea that about a quarter of the patients that go to see primary care end up being non-diagnosed. And I know where this group is. It's this group of wounds, of, you know, emotional wounds, spiritual wounds, you know, life wounds. And if you don't go there and try to help address them, they're not going to get better. And they're going to end up spending a lot of money and be frustrated and go to another place and keep going through more and more tests. And again, I don't want to for a second pretend we don't take care of the physical. You know, I would argue if you're going to take care of the patient spiritually, you have to be better at the physical because you don't want them to say you shortchanged them in that area. But um, I, I think the love component is absolutely huge. And, and it's funny, I, I can talk to atheists about God because they know I love them. You know, and mm -hmm. it's, it just, love is, you know, love is one doorway that opens, it opens the door. And the other big thing I'm seeing in the patient room is forgiveness. You know, there's a lot of people that have been really scarred and wounded, you know, such as, you know, sexual and physical abuse. And forgiveness unlocks that door, um, but it takes God's grace to get there. You know, uh, the thing is, though, for someone to open up, they have to trust who they're talking to. And the fact that you pray before you even, you know, approach them and that you're humble about it and not assuming and proud, which I think can be a risk for, for a physician. They know so much and they're in, you know, charge of the, the person's body. But um, anyway, I, I'm going to let that go right now. And on the other side of the break here, we're going to take a, a, a little break, but I want to hear a little bit more about what you talked about, the critical wounds that that that's something I want to return to but we will be back with more presence live with Dr. Tom Morgan after this break so stay tuned stay with us there's more real presence live to come on the real presence radio network did you know you can listen to the RPR network when you're on the go just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. We appreciate all the support our eye care clinic has received over the past year. 
Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, vision therapy services, contact lenses, and glasses. Lumen Vision is located across the street from Saints Anne and Joachim Parish in South Fargo. We accept a variety of vision and medical insurance plans. To schedule an appointment online, our website is www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. St. John Paul II called for a new evangelization, an act of love meant to reintroduce all the faithful to the love of Jesus Christ. This act of love has never been more urgent. In his work, The Judgment of Nations, historian Richard Dawson notes, the hope of the world rests in the last resort on the existence of a spiritual nucleus of believers who are bearers of the seed of unity. If we have faith in the power of the Spirit, we must believe that even these evils can be conquered. For the powers of the world are blind powers which are working in the dark. They are powerless against that Spirit who is the Lord and giver of life, and against those higher powers of spiritual understanding and love, which are the essential gifts of the Holy Spirit. The battle for the world is first and foremost spiritual. Are you ready for battle today? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for hanging with us here on this Tuesday snowy morning. Uh, at least it is here in Fargo. I'm Roxanne Solon and your co-host this morning, along with... Wayne Sanders, working with Roxanne. Privileged to be working with Roxanne, I might add. We are enjoying this conversation with Dr. Tom Morrigan, who is calling us from Niswa. He's on the phone and he's um, shared some really, really fascinating insight into the job of a, a faith-filled physician. Dr. Tom, I'm curious, when you went into this field, did you, what are some of the surprises? Because it, it sounds like the reality of it has been quite powerful. And I'm wondering if that was something you expected, anticipated, um, wanted, or if it, that part of it was more of a surprise because you were so busy learning medicine. Um, at what point did you realize this was more of a ministry? Was it early on or later as you went along? I, I think that's a great question. I think it kind of evolves, you know, and it's exactly as you say, when you're first in medicine, you're frantically studying to try to learn everything you can to heal the sick, and it's it's all-encompassing, basically. Um, and, you know, back then we used to do 36-hour shifts. You know, there was not a lot of free time um, there. Um, and I, I think you're also developing your skill of the heart, you know, trying to be kind and compassionate and empathetic. Um, but that's the start, I think. But it's every step you're doing along the way as an individual to grow spiritually, it starts to, at the right time, come up into the patient room. And I think the Holy Spirit just kind of leads you, and you don't even really realize it's, it's happening. It's, and maybe it's like falling in love. You know, all of a sudden you realize you found your beloved forever. Um, but I think it's probably been in the last 20-plus years that this has just come, become more and more than normal. And I, I emphasize, I try not to make it an agenda, I, you know, I probably pray with a quarter to a half of my patients each day, um, but I don't have a set agenda. It's, you know, wherever the Holy Spirit leads. And one thing I, in retrospect, thinking back, after I got married, this got a lot better part of my practice, and I'm convinced my wife frees me up to totally think of the patient, and she prays for me. And I started also, came up with this idea, I asked 
I have a bunch of patients who are prayer warriors, and I ask them if they're willing, please say one prayer a day for all the patients because they carry many burdens, and also please pray for all the staff, you know, if you can. And I have a bunch of prayer warriors that pray for us every day, and I think that has opened up a lot of doors, too. And then it's like anything, as you start seeing success, you just say, this works. <laughs> i got to keep going down this path, you know, when the patient wants it. couple thoughts. One is how beautiful that you thought about your wife, and, and I started really kind of late in life here in my 50s. My husband and I started doing couples prayer every night, and I, I really do think there's a power in that unit and that that marital bond, and that's that's so beautiful that you recognize that and that she is praying for you and your patients, number one. Number two, I'm thinking about Jesus as the healer. Is that kind of overwhelming for you to realize that you're kind of in his stead when you're in that room? I mean, he is the great physician, right? And so to, it's like, recognize true. that, yeah. It, it's totally true. It's, it's one of my prayers. I have a, some standard prayers I say on the way to work besides the rosary. But I, I, I always dwell on the Feast of Cana. I say, you know, I have no wine today. You know, you're going to have to provide the wine um, and, you know, help me to do whatever you tell me. But I also pray that they see Jesus and not me. And I remember Father Moen talked about that on a sermon on why he went to adoration every day. He said, you don't want to see me, you want to see Jesus. And that's exactly it, you know. And every once in a while, I'll have a patient write me a letter or a note, and they'll say, it felt like I was talking to Jesus, and it's like, my prayer was answered then. <laughs> you know, it's, you know it, it, it's, they saw Jesus and not me. Um, so it, it's, the prayers are just, it, back to Mother Teresa, my secret, I mm-hmm. pray. And, it, and, and have Mother Mary involved as well is very powerful. You know, she, she just comes through in very difficult circumstances um, as, as the tender, perfect tender mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dr. Tom, Right out of the break, we talked. I I mentioned families in this process. As you're dealing with a patient um, at end of life, I'm sure there are family members standing behind watching and listening. Uh, Some may be on that page, some may not be. And it's an opportunity for evangelization, if you will. Uh, How do you work with that Uh, when when you turn around and some are saying, Thank you for doing that, Dr. Tom? and others uh, not so much. Do you run into that, and how do you deal with that? You know, very rare. You know, I, I think partly the Holy Spirit has protected me, you know, so it's, you know, maybe I have some skill at this, but I think the Holy Spirit protects me to, at what to say, when to say it, when yeah. not to say it. I, I've, had, I, I've asked several thousand patients that they want a prayer. I've been turned down less than ten times. Um, and so it's not that common, you know, I think it's if I follow instincts and promptings of the Holy Spirit. But I, I think, once again, once the patient and the family see that you love them and are proud of them, you know, there's certain words that just work in life. If, if, I, if I told Roxanne, Roxanne, I'm proud of you for this or that, you know, it, that would resonate probably in your heart, you know, if it was a good, true compliment. Um, so, it, again, it's, you know, you win them at the heart level first, and then the other stuff naturally flows. And I've been impressed. I, I think people take things the right way when they know you love them. It's just, it just changes how they hear the words. And the other part is, I treat this like I treat every part of medicine. I don't force anything on anyone. If someone doesn't want to take Fosamax for osteoporosis, I can't force them to take it, and I won't. Um, if someone doesn't want to take a certain diabetic pill, I won't force them to take the pill. Always respect free will. Always respect where someone is at. And always put yourself at their level. You know, it's, you know, I think people like it when they know 
you're just another sinner slob like they are, you know, and, and, and you need mercy as much or more than they do. Um, and when you're at the same level, I think that helps a lot. Or, or really, you're probably below them. In many cases, these people have endured tremendous hardships and done a much better job at it than you ever would have. Hmm. And what about those critical wounds that we talked about earlier? Tell tell us a little bit about that. It sounded like a kind of a crucial part of, of what has become your ministry. It, it is, you know, and, and I some of the biggest ones I've found have been, you know, abuse of any type or abortions. They've been just huge. I've had, you know, it, those wounds are, are very deep. But I've, I've learned, I think, ask a few questions at the right time. I ask pretty much every patient, what's your biggest stresses in life? And that often open up, opens up some of the core wounds. I ask them how their family is health-wise and life-wise, and that opens up some wounds. I ask about pregnancy losses, and it's amazing. A lot of times I'll just use the word pregnancy loss, and they're telling me about their abortion, you know, they, and they don't have to. They just volunteer that. And I also ask, has there ever been any abuse at any time of life, verbal, physical, emotional, or sexual? And then these wounds start coming out, and then it gives me a chance to apologize and say I'm sorry for what they've gone through and empathize with them. But then it starts, to, the next process is, how can we help get this better? And it's interesting, I've asked a lot of people who have been through horrible things in life how they got better, and they almost always say, God, some say a good counselor, some say a true, authentic love of the human being, um, and forgiveness. So if we don't work in those areas, we're not going to help heal those wounds. Um, but it's very rewarding when you see these wounds have affected people for 40 or 50 years, and now they're just gone, and the people are smiling and beaming, and, and they're saying they're back in their church or they're back in their prayer life. And, and then all of a sudden you start seeing good things spread through the family because virtue spreads just like sin spreads. And, and it's really something when you, when you see what God can do, it, it's kind of, I just get to see a little glimpse of it, but it's pretty amazing when you see what he can do and, and how he sets things up. You know, I, I've had times where I remember I had one patient, I made the sign of the cross when I said my prayer, and they, you know, they said, are you Catholic? By the time we're done talking, they're in RCIA. And it's like, and I wasn't really supposed to see the patient that day. They didn't really need to see me. Um, and, and, or I, I saw, you know, patient, you know, suffering with unforgiveness after abuse for years. And we talked about forgiveness and they ended up forgiving the abuser and all these great things start happening in their family. Um, it's, it's just amazing when you see the way the Lord can take care of a wound that's been there for decades and it's just gone. You know, Dr. Tom, I can't help but think of the, the campaign that the Catholic Church put on some time ago, Catholics Come Home. And when you talk about, I use the word evangelization, and you talked about a circumstance where they came back, I just can't help but think that some of the things that go on after you've worked with the patient that sit with them, that change their hearts, that change their lives, that bring them back to the faith, because that, one of our challenges in the Catholic Church, and I think just in church in general, faith in general. Um, so it, it, it leads me to wonder, Dr. Tom, there's you. You're in, uh, you're in Nisswa, Minnesota. We've all seen lots of doctors. You don't see this very often. You, I spent a little time at Mayo, and, you've spent, and they're great. Uh, the physicians are great. Uh, care is great. But you don't see a lot of, I have not heard a lot of what you do or seen a lot of what you do. Dr. Tom, are you in the minority? Yes. Um, a lot of the patients tell me you're the only doctor who's ever prayed with uh -huh. me. Um, I remember I had this one lovely elderly couple that was about 90, 
And oh. every time they come back to see me, they, they would say, we tell all our friends, we have a Christian doctor for the first time. We have a Christian doctor. And I'm like, I don't think I'm your first Christian doctor at, you know, age 90, you know. Um, but I think, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I think a lot of people haven't been taught how to do it or that you can do it. And there's, you know, there's actually a big discrepancy. Some studies show that up to 90% of patients want their doctor to pray with them at least sometimes, and 10% or less of doctors are actually doing it. Um, so for whatever reason, I think, and, and sometimes I think the devil tries to, you know, scare doctors, like, you know, you might get into trouble, you, you might offend someone, but again, you hardly ever offend someone if, if you love them. And back to your thing about evangelization, I saw this lovely nun on EWTN, and she said, what are the two things that Catholics want to hear that are away from the Church? And she said, one is that they're uh, invited back, and, and two is that they're missed. And I think that's what we have to do to people, is just remind them, you know, you are missed and we need you, and, and, um, and, and we do need them, um, and it's beautiful when they return. Mm. Dr. Morgan, this has been so inspiring and quite... Um, unexpected what what has come out of this interview this morning. I am so inspired and I hope other physicians out there or anyone in the medical field who are hearing this or maybe we could share it with them can can glimmer glimpse a little bit of what what you have experienced just by the power of Christ and and and, and risking everything to bring people to him and to oh. heal help heal them. It, it has been a pleasure to talk with you this morning. We, very, very much so, Dr. Tom. I, I absent of the well, Rafferty's pizza, that was a bonus. But this conversation, and, 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 I, and, I would suggest. I think, oh, go ahead. My bad. Uh, the thing I think I recommend too is don't forget this is for everyone. You're all meeting people every day that are divine appointments that Christ has put on your schedule. Get off your rigid schedule. Ask them how they're doing. Be ready to love them and minister to them, and watch the good things happen. Because this stuff is for all of us. It has nothing to do with one field. It is for all of us. Thank you so much. We um, hope to have you back again. So don't don't go too far away, but keep blessing those patients. And we will be back with more Real Presence Live after this break. Thank you. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 